This is the coolest show brought to you by Hip Hop Caucuses. Think 100%. It's the coolest show you know. Keep the culture connected. It's the coolest show you know. In your ear, yeah, respect the expert level information, entertainment, education. Rev here, we got you covered as you hit your destination. Climate rules everything around me. Cream. For those who lost focus, close your eyes and just train. Open your third eye, now the world is your off. Coolest, coolest show you know. It's the Hip Hop Caucus. Dominican Republic's ocean and hot summers raised her and New York City's empire state of mind molded her. Trained as an architect, she is passionate about socially driven, multidisciplinary projects that advance climate resilience and social justice. She was awarded the WNBA Annual Inspiring Women Gold Standard Recognition for creating a positive impact in the community of Newark, New Jersey. And in 2018, she was selected to be a United Nations Foundation writer, blogger, fellow in New York City to bring the message of sustainable development goals to communities nationwide. And she is our guest today. She is none other than Jordi Vasquez. Jordi, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. No, it's great to have you. For those who don't know, and I guess I said a good bit there in the bio, but who is Jordi Vasquez? Yeah, so I'll tell you what you probably won't see in my resume or my bio. So I am, first of all, daughter of Christina and Juan Pablo. Uh, Both are medical surgeons back in the Dominican Republic. Uh, Both are the probably most talented, smartest, and creative people that I know. But they're also the most resilient people that I know as well, both being survivors of cancer in the last three years. Uh, I am the sister to Chris, Jasmine, and Pablo. And you probably can tell I am the oldest one. Um, That really shaped me the way I view mentorship, the way I view uh, guidance, and the way I view support. I am an Afro-Latina. So very proud of my Dominican roots. Uh, As I said, Dominican for Santo Domingo, but don't ask me anything about baseball because I do not know. Um, Spanish is my first uh, native language. Uh, And I lived in Santo Domingo until I was 20 and I left to pursue my degree in architecture. Came to New York City to Pratt Institute. Uh, That led me to... I'll be trained as an architect, but most recently in the last seven to eight years, I've been really focusing on sustainability, uh, resiliency, and developing a big, big passion for cities, people, and planet. And one more thing. I am the mother to Django, Tupac, and Notorious B.I.G., officially known as B. So three pets. Oh, man. That's, that's very important, actually. To conclude... That and I would assume that is also your community. Absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, my community is pretty much defined by uh, the people that I've met in New York, uh, the people that I surround myself with, my my animals, my family, everyone who's around me here. What would you say is your role in the movement fighting the climate crisis? Uh, so. Uh, let's see, where do we start? Uh, as I mentioned before, train as an architect and most recently uh, 
a deep love for urban cities and resiliency. I wear two different hats. So I am the manager for climate resilience and equity at our cities. So that pretty much means that I get to work with an amazing nonprofit pushing for uh, making the case for urban resilience. So we mobilize, provide some funding, provide practice and provide knowledge to cities with a big focus on vulnerable communities. So I get to wear that hat. And then the other hat that I wear is also be the co-founder of Women of Color Collective and Sustainability, also known as Wuxis. So uh, my role in the fight here is really being uh, a big uh, amplifier, uh, celebrating the, the role of women in climate, especially focus on women of color, amplifying their work, celebrating their work, and really providing uh, resources a platform and a community and space for women of color to thrive under the climate umbrella. For folks who don't know, what is Women of Color Collective and Sustainability? And, you know, why do we need it? Who needs it? And why is it important? Yeah, so uh, we, we talked about community before, and uh, where that came to mind was also just fellowship and what does it mean to create a cohesive social network around you in that sense of belonging, in that sense of acceptance and support and guidance? Uh, Wuxis, it came out of the need slash out of a frustration of not having that community amongst women, uh, especially in women working in climate and working in sustainability. So uh, in 2019, uh, a friend of mine, who worked both, both worked in the climate space. She came from a policy background. I came from architecture and the built environment. Uh, we decided that we wanted to take space. Uh, at the time, I did not have a community that I could see myself reflected in. Uh, I could look up at different boards or leadership in my company, and I couldn't see anyone that looked like me. Um, as you know, pretty frustrating, especially being a young and impressionable uh, emerging professional. Those are kind of the questions that I always had in the back of my mind. Uh, and then when uh, my friend and I, you know, put our brains together and say like, hey, we are sharing resources and sharing opportunities for grants, for events, for resources. How about we open this up to other women of color and like, and see what's out there, like tease that idea, see what's the appetite for uh, other women of color to be part of a community and co-create this community with us. So we had our first uh, event, or it was like a mingle and greet back in 2019, and we sold house. So we thought it was going to be a few people. Uh, we had over 40 to 50 women coming from different backgrounds, United Nations, policy, politics, uh, architecture, engineer, all within the climate and sustainability umbrella, really yearning for community that, you know, we were looking for. So we decided to create our own community that way and create a space for women to uh, thrive in their professional journeys and their well-being with a big, big focus on creating space, taking space, sharing resources, job resources, connection, and just access to opportunity. You know, I, I love that. And I want to thank you so much for using your trial to create your triumph. Um, do you think that was a good thing, though? I mean, we had this conversation over and over here yeah. um, on The Coolest Show, and so many people who come to this conversation, particularly from Black, Brown, Indigenous, communities of color, talk mm -hmm. about 
how they came through this process through trial and through isolation and even trauma. And then they create amazing things for their community. But is that a good thing? You know, um, it's hard to say if it's a good thing or bad thing when I'm sort of used to that. I'm sort of used to being in positions where uh, something just doesn't feel right and nobody's voicing their opinion and nobody's saying that they feel uncomfortable and nobody's saying that this is wrong. And I'm used to being in the position where I say, hold up, like, th- let's take a step back and reflect on what's happening. And if it doesn't sit well with me, like I will speak my truth. Um, at the time, I, I really felt, and I was really passionate about this, that a lot of the women of color that I surrounded myself with, with me included, like we were just underlooked, undervalued, uh, under-resourced. And just that just didn't sit right with me. I knew pretty much a lot of women that were talented working in sustainability and climate world. So whenever I heard uh, a manager or, or someone in leadership say, hey, I, I just don't know where the other women of color are. I don't know. We're, we're hiring people because they're the ones applying you know, to these roles. So I, I just don't think they exist. I don't think they're people, BIPOC people who are interested in energy and who are interested in sustainability. I knew that was a myth. I knew that was wrong. So I, you know, my friend and I just took it upon ourselves to make sure that we demystify that. And yes, it came out of frustration. It came out of trauma. It came out of a, um, just a lot of back and forth of things that sit in well with me. But I'm pretty, I'm very proud of the work that we have done in the last few years, making sure that the next generation of women of color who, you know, come into the industry, they don't feel that they have to go through that, they have to go through the alienation or isolation or feeling like they don't belong or feeling that they're underlooked. So I, if I have to be the first one to make that, you know, that, that call and take that step, I am more than happy to. I, my oldest sister, so I've done a lot of firsts. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's good. That's always good. We need those older sisters to lead the way. That's, <laughs> that's always a, a big responsibility. That's always a that's always a good thing. Now I know you also do a a great deal of writing on behalf of Wokesis and other communication. What is the goal of your narrative, and what's the strategy? So you know, I think the goal of the narrative. Well, first of all, we we all typically have open calls for writing, so. We view uh, us ourselves as a resource as much as we view the collective or the community to provide their ideas. Uh, my favorite thing to do at Works is to really much create connections and amplify. So if we have women who have that uh, skill set or talent or they really want to put their voices out there, my favorite thing to do is say, okay, I love this piece. Let's put it out there. Let's see what other eyes see it. So that's first and foremost. Uh, I think with the writing one thing that was really important for us, and this happened just after 2020, after the murder of George Floyd, is that being in the industry, I knew that there was a little bit of hypocrisy from some companies that were saying, we're going to do all this great, uh, you know, racial reckoning within the the company, and we're going to take X, Y, Z steps, and we're just going to do in response to uh, what's happened in civil unrest and COVID. And I knew that a lot of these companies were saying things, but I didn't see them taking action fast enough. And those were the companies that were getting a lot of uh, benefits from, you know, social incentives, public incentives in in the city. So I partnered up with two different organizations and we put an open letter uh, out there on behalf of Wuxus. And 
and say, hey, if you're in the green space and you are uh, saying that you're going to do all these great things, you need to walk the talk. We need to see action. I need to see your leadership and make sure that you are being reflecting the community that you're working on. I need to see you do better. I need to see you really tapping into what it is that you're not doing right and taking accountability and not just say, okay, this is what we're doing now as our next step. Like I need you to really reflect on that and take a look at yourself and and come to terms with that. So we did that via writing um, whenever as well, whenever we have an event coming up, either a summit or a launch of a new service, we tend to write pieces on Medium um, and our website and really make sure that it gets to the eyes first and foremost of our collective, of our members, so they know that these are resources that are intended for them. Sometimes those resources get to the eyes of companies and organizations who are interested in being either supportive or understanding more, and that's great. But my main priority is that written resources or services serve my community, serve my collective. Everyone else, great, but my collective comes first. Hmm. You mentioned a summit. What does your programming day look like and what can people expect? Okay, so uh, in 2020, we were planning to do this big summit in person. And these were plans that were already sort of like not halfway baked in, but they were ideas at the beginning of 2020 towards the end of 2019. And when COVID happened, you know, every single plan, I think, was thrown out of the window, right? All these great ideas of traveling in person, uh, mingle and, and meets and greets. They just, you know, were completely shut down. So we, of course, were a little bit feeling down. We're like, okay, how can we still make a great event that brings people together, that showcases a series of BIPOC leaders of sustainability and climate without having the tool of doing this in person? And at the time, everyone was like learning how to work, uh, how to work around Zoom, how to work on Teams. And, you know, my co-founder and I had a conversation where maybe this could be still something great. We can create space. And instead of just being focused in New York City, we can open it up to the world and other cities and have people join in and see this fantastic speakers talk about their passions and climate, resiliency, green finance and all that. So the summit... Again, I think my expectations were we're going to have 50 people join in from New York City, maybe California, and it's going to be word of mouth and it's going to be great and small and intimate. And on the day of the event, we have 430 people signed up uh, for this event. Uh, The summit was a full day, the program. I remember seeing tweets from New Zealand saying, I'm waking up at 3 a.m., to see the speakers at the summit, uh, Collective Resiliency Summit for, from Wilkes. And for me, that that was, I think, a game changer and very, you know, just heartening knowing that people really wanted to see BIPOC leaders speak their truth and speak their passion and speak about their endeavors. So that was uh, a fantastic experience. I was learning how to do the back end, the front end, the side end about how to work on um, how to do a a panel and how to do a whole conference online. So I, uh, I think I slept after that for like three days. It was just so much work and so much fun. And, and, and just to see the amount of love that we received that day 
and the support from people that were watching, people that were involved, people that were sponsoring and say like, this is the first time I see 30 plus speakers, all BIPOC, talk about climate and talk about sustainability. I've never seen anything like that. And we're like, we know they exist. We, we, we know they're here. So I want to make sure that you see them, you see yourself reflected in them. So uh, yeah, wonderful experience. And after that, we've done a couple of smaller events, nothing huge like the summit, but hopefully in the next few months, we'll be doing more smaller, intimate, in-person events moving forward. Now, Jordi, you've mentioned your friend a few times, but you haven't mentioned the name of, of the other co-founder. I want to give me, I know you're from New York and got that background. So you got to give it a shout out here. Oh my goodness. So Chente Harris is amazing. So Chente is my co-founder. We met at an event during Climate Week back, I want to say in 2017 or 2018. It's, it's a blurb now. But we met at an event where there were no women of color in the room, absolutely zero. And I remember just having this feeling of, I've been cruising through Climate Week for a few days now, and I hardly have seen other women um, that look like me, women of color, talking about the things that matter to me specifically. Uh, and I remember being in this room and just looking across the room and I see her and we do the typical like nod of acknowledgement, like you're here too, I see you. Um, so we just sort of like gravitated toward each other and started chatting and realized we had so many things in common from our love and passion for community, for uplifting other women, empowering other women. And, and just, you know, we gel that day like nothing else. Uh, we started sharing resources back and forth. She is a brilliant mind when it comes to climate tech and policy. I absolutely adore and admire her. Uh, and that was initial, like from the beginning, from the start, I knew that I wanted to do something with this woman. So we got our brains together and Wuxi was the child of that, uh, you know, camaraderie or partnership, you want to say. And we both bring different things to the table. She is what I call my social butterfly. She'll go into a room and lighten and brighten the whole room. I'm more of like the back end, but I, I've just, I've learned so much, well, you know, just working with her and uh, just taking space and just being really true to yourself and to your work. So I, big shout out to Chante. She's, she's just awesome. So I, I hope that you get to interview her too. Yeah. Yeah. That would be, that would be fun. We got to make sure make that happen. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. Cause you said this now a couple of times and I want to, and you and I kind of share a similar background. I am mm-hmm. originally, I was born here in this country, born in Louisiana, um, but my parents are both from the island of Trinidad and Tobago. And one of the things that I wonder a lot about yeah. is those of us who are here, who have connections to, like you do, the DR, Dominican Republic, or other places, or those of us who are just here and have connections who want to be connected back to the mother line on the continent. My question really to you is this. Now that you know that we're living in a country, both on the right and on the left, yeah. that really is based upon white supremacy and based upon white privilege, why don't we go back to our countries and take what we've learned to places that are predominantly people of color, black and brown and indigenous. Why do we stay here and keep going through these only white rooms? Why do we put ourselves to that punishment 
when our people in our homeland or just on the continent is crying for us to come home? No, that that's a good question and one that I often get when I go back back home. I have friends who, you know, after 2020 and 2021, they they didn't want to be part of that tension. They felt like it was just too draining on mental health and just you know their overall uh, sense of being. So I don't blame them for making this decision that was best for them. I think for me, uh, this journey that we're on with Wilkes is just starting, right? There's so much potential to reach out to not only people in Dominican Republic, but to reach out people across the U.S., but to reach out people also abroad. Um, I think it, it's really important for us, you know, people for Latin America, from across the diaspora, that we stay connected to each other and don't lose that. Um, I remember a woman a couple of months ago that said to me, I'm moving to London and I'm a bit a bit scared because I don't know anyone there. I'm taking this leap of faith. Uh, what do you recommend that I do to, to ensure that I still have that sense of belonging, sense of community? And I said to her, let's find out what other women of color from Wuxus are living in London and let's facilitate that connection. And in a matter of like a couple of days, I introduced her to another woman from uh, from Wilkes that lived in London. And the type of relationship that was formed within a couple of days was like, yeah, like come in, I'll introduce you to this. I make sure that you feel you have a sense of belonging here. Uh, I thought that was just a beautiful thing to see. I see that across Dominican Republic also as well. I see friends of mine who dabble between going back and coming forth, feeling that they feel the feeling that they have more of an impact uh, if they're here because they're just more connected to a wider range of other uh, folks from the Dominican Republic. I, I see myself, you know, I go back and forth uh, to the island to visit my mom and my dad and my siblings. So I have like really strong roots and connections there. I just feel like my work here in the U.S. is not done yet. I think there's a lot more that we can accomplish, a lot, a wider net that can be, you know, reached. And I will always and, and forever have deep roots to my my island and make sure that whatever endeavor that I do, whatever venture, whatever project I'm part of, I bring that perspective and I bring that um, that with me. So if that means I get to do a project in Dominican Republic because I was able to facilitate a connection and idea that you know, brew from the U.S. and then do it here, great. Uh, if that means I can get to do a retreat or, or, or bring some other woman from the collective into the Dominican Republic to experience for a week or a weekend what it is to, you know, to live in, in, in developing country and learn from uh, our permaculture initiatives or community development initiatives and, and be that vessel for them, I will love doing that. So I, I leave leave, breathe, and and really, really try to put my country, my flag, my roots up high as much as I can and up front and center. Yeah, thank you for that. And thank you for that just really honest and hard <laughs> response. I, I share everything you're talking about. You know, it's it's hard because sometimes you look at the this country and it's it's how it's so intentional in the killing of black and brown and indigenous people. That is intentional. Absolutely. In creating sacrifice zones. How it's intentional in ensuring that people by their zip codes have dirty air and dirty water. How it's intentional uh, 
Absolutely. Uh, folks in Flint or Newark or in Detroit or Baltimore or in Alabama or in Louisiana have dirty air and dirty water, how it's intentional in that. Um, then when I go home to Trinidad or I have other folks go home to go to the continent and they see clean air and clean water, you have to just wonder, why do we make our community stay here to suffer? Yeah. Why do we Why do we fight with a an oppressor to and beg an oppressor to give them clean air and clean water when they can simply just we can buy them a plane ticket and they can go someplace else to have that? It's hard, right? It ain't easy. Right, absolutely. That's, this is this is these are some hard things for us. So with that, what does a win look like to you? What what do wh- how do wokes succeed and 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 given how quickly the window is for climate impact and adaptation, what would cause um what what we start there? Let me just start with that first part. What what does the win look like? Let's go to the good stuff. And how does wokes <laughs> I think, you know, a win for me can be different things. Uh, one of them, what you were just um, describing about this systematic uh, oppression in the U.S., right? Uh, everything from air quality to the healthcare system to the workforce, all that. A win for me in a couple of years, we're looking back and say, like, we made so much progress in this area. We made a lot of progress in the policy, in the way we're viewing the way we design buildings so that they're less toxic, less harmful, more clean. This is because of the effort of grassroots organizations that may or may not be composed of women of color from Wexus, right? So I would say hopefully in a, in a few years, and I don't want to quantify what the amount of years might be, we look back and say, I'm glad that I stay in a my community because we're able to move the needle in this particular um, sector. So I just wanted to highlight what you said before and, and create a bridge and a connection with that. Yeah. Um, another win for me would be that we, uh, you know, we're really heavily focused on the U.S. Uh, I would love to bring more voices into the room, uh, tapping more into the indigenous, tap more into other local communities that might have not been reached yet. So this is, as I mentioned before, a collective that it, it's very organic and it's not something that me and Chante, you know, we put our co-founders hat and we tell the, the, the law of the land, like this is how we do things. It's very much, you tell me what your needs are. You tell me what you need to, for me to support you with. If you want to do an event, how can we amplify and co-create that with you? If you want to write a piece, how can we do that and amplify that with you and celebrate you? So I see Wuxis as really just a starting point, a journey for a lot of us, something that can help, you know, women access opportunities, accelerate uh, policies even, and just spread out like wildfire through, through the world. And we create smaller communities that are almost independent of each other in the U.S., outside of the U.S., maybe in my island, maybe in your island. And, and we just can sort of like help each other grow. Uh, I, I see a win of Wuxis where whenever I get an email from someone that said, I met my best friend in New York City because of Wuxis. Like I have a buddy that I can go to conferences that I can discuss navigating the world as a black woman because I don't get that at my corporate office. I don't get that at my nonprofit. I don't get that here. So I was happy to have met that person. I consider when, when I hear a woman say, I was able to negotiate my salary because of the salary negotiation um, workshops you guys gave a couple of years ago, 
or I say for one quick um, plug here before the, the conversations of salary transparencies, right? We're heavy on 2020 or 2021. And now with a new law in New York City, uh, at Woxys, we were asking for salary transparency from the get-go. If you want to post your job on our job board, which we la- uh, launched at the beginning of last year, I'm going to be real with you. You got to give me a ban. You got to give me a number because we have to start leveling the playing field for systematic oppressed women of color. So that was a, a big, big thing for me. I was not willing to negotiate on that. And you have women approaching us and saying that I'm so glad that there's transparency. Thanks for, for that requirement, because I know now like what I have the room to negotiate, negotiate with. Um, and lastly, I think a win for me from the works side is when I hear people say, um, I feel seen. I don't feel overlooked. I, I heard uh, X, Y, C at an event speak about her experiences. I have never heard someone have such a similar background to me. And I never seen myself reflected the way I did with this person. Thanks to Wilkes facilitating that conversation of that space. Someone wins. Yeah, no, those are some those are some great wins. And thank you for that. And I just I actually just love the creation and the model of Wilkes and for so many reasons. Um, it really it really speaks to what I believe is the solution for what we need to get to. But as you can imagine, you know, our movement is extremely wary for good reason of greenwashing or extractive organizations after it is a history of pollution and profiteering. In your role as a network, can you tell us how you are different between greenwashing and exclusive sustainability? Absolutely. So um, this reminds me of the, the one of the first examples we were discussing a couple minutes ago about how when 2020 was unfolding, a lot of companies came in and say, oh, we're going to have uh, all these changes to our leadership. We're going to have all these changes to uh, the way we go about metrics or the way that we just do business as, uh, as usual. We're not going to do that anymore. And I was taking notice. I was looking at those companies from an eye of like, let's see if you're really going to do that in a month. Like, I want to make sure that you're just not saying that just to to check a box or, you know, just saying that because everyone else around you is doing it and everyone's like greenwashing and, and doing all these things. Um, and if they didn't, I would call them out. I uh, don't feel that it is right to have a company saying that they're going to do X, Y, Z and then not follow, not follow through. So as we mentioned, we put that open letter out there for everyone to see. We send that open letter to a lot of organizations that we know that we're not doing enough. And we, we also became a resource for organizations that were like, how can we do better? Um, I, I feel for, for people who are starting on this journey uh, like, how can we be better allies, be better organizations, not fall into the greenwashing? And if we can be a resource for them and we're another, like, we're happy to do that. But we're not going to stand people thinking that we are not catching up on on their um, uh, deceitful messages. Or we're not going to stand up for things that we would have done that a couple of years ago. I think Wuxus has been good in that way where people can bring up those conversations that feel like they're in a safe space. and. We can reach out to this company and say, like, hey, this is this is not right. We can, we can do much better than that. 
Let me ask you this question. When when you're in a position, when you find, you know, as the old song goes, which side are you on? And obviously you're on the side of the people. How far are you willing to go? I mean, if it means, well, I, I'll leave it there. How far are you willing and Wilkes is willing to go, particularly when it stands for liberation of our people? As far as we need to. I don't think there is a limit to what you would do for someone that you care about. Um, and I really care about my collective. I, as I mentioned, we are on a journey. Um, it's been two years and a half. So we're, we're just getting started. Uh, there's a lot that we hope to achieve in the next few years. And there's a lot of need and support for, for networks like this. Uh, I am willing to go as far as it needs to. Uh, if that means putting my, you know, putting people on blast because they're not doing enough within the organization, I'm okay to do that. I'm okay as long as uh, we say truth to, to the mission of the organization, which is to amplify the underlooked and the undervalued. If it is making people feel uncomfortable because they're not used to having these open conversations, I have been in that position before. I'm not here to make anyone uncomfortable. I'm just here to speak the truth. And some truth, sometimes the truth, you know, it's not, it's not pretty, right? Um, I've been in many conversations where I've had really, really high profile people in their room. And I would say, let's, take a pause and reflect on what we're doing here. Uh, we're talking about policies being implemented in a textbook neighborhood. Have you ever been in that neighborhood? That I've asked that question straight up. And you have people sort of like stumbling on, on their answers, like, no, we're just, you know, building public housing and affordable housing, but I've never been there. I don't know exactly what's going to go on the ground. But then as far as like, you know, it goes with, with works is I have... A, I feel like I have a responsibility to look after the collective and ensure that they are occupying space. That, and as the, the saying goes, we're not here to, to bring a chair into the table so we can feel that we're part of the meeting. No, we're here to bring a whole table. We, we're going to make our own room on the other side and bring more table and open that up. Uh, you can come in the back and listen as, far as, as long as you don't interrupt us, but we're here to take space. And that's you know, pretty much it. Yeah, no. Well, I just got a couple, few more questions here, and I just want to thank you because I just think that, you know, this type of network is critical. You know, we 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 recently had an interview, and this is why I love the coolest show with Sustainable Brooklyn, oh, where yeah. they define sustainability as a quote an inherently black and brown indigenous regenerative mechanism for living and engaging with nature that is grounded in ancestral relationship with the earth and has evolved into resisting colonial structure so that we can find well-being, joy, and ultimately healing, end quote. So wow. with that, what does, what, does, what does sustainability mean in regards to the name of the Wokesist Network and individuals who do that work? That is such a, a, a great question and such a tough quote to follow. Um, I think when I think of sustainability, I often think about resilience um, and it's hard for me to see them as two different separate entities. Um, and the way we define it is, you know, abilities to, the ability to not only survive 
of our shocks and stresses, independent of what they might be, climate or systematic oppression or economic uh, development, no matter what it is, we're not just surviving, we're adapting, we're growing and we're thriving. And for Wuxes, that means the, the needs of my collective or the women of color in climate and sustainability work, that comes first. We don't want to just survive. We want to thrive. We want to not just adapt, we want to grow. So how can we do that? Making sure that we are, I like the word that you mentioned, like healing through this process, being understanding of each other's need, understanding of our limited resources in our planet, uh, and thinking, uh, thinking of all of that and taking all of that into consideration. And then we use that to still thrive. Um, a lot of uh, conversation I've had in the last few months have been about uh, not only defining climate, sorry, defining sustainability, but also like we are in a phase where we're thinking about anxiety. You know, are we going to have enough resources uh, for the next generation? Are we going to have enough bandwidth to deal with the, uh, the just the mental impact that not having enough water or, or not having enough land or the possibility of migration, how can that all, you know, how can it all be digested and still us being function, a functional human being? So I think, you know, going back to the definition of sustainability is like, how can we use what we have now without depleting those resources and without depleting ourselves in the process? So hashtag thrive yeah. while we're doing that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, man. So this, this, this is like my last question before I get to asking how people can find you and support you, all that good stuff. But what's the vision? It's actually a big one too here, Jordy. Yeah. So this, is actually, this, is, this is it. What's the vision of the future you're fighting for? Paint us a picture. The vision of the future that I'm fighting for is I walk to a room and I'm not the only person that looks like me. I walk to a room and decisions that are being made by people that look like me. I walk into a room uh, and I feel that I'm taking space and I feel like I'm not underlooked. I'm not undervalued. Uh, that people trust me, sees me for who I am and, and, and really respect that. Uh, I feel a vision for, for the future for me is that our communities are continue to be front and center when it comes to thinking about investments, uh, when thinking about deploying new green tech technologies and uh, cool deployment of, let's say, um, and I'm looking for the word, is not climate tech, but clean energy, that communities that are under-resourced or under-vested are coming first, not just last. Uh, a vision for me is that if another pandemic hits us, that we, the brown, the black people, are the, not the last ones to be looked after, sought after, and taken care of. That we are up front and center of every single conversation moving forward, whether that is health, whether that is in climate, whether that is in, in, in policy, whether that is in whatever other industry, that we're not just a add-on, that we are actually part of the solution, part of the conversation, uh, not just part of the problem. You know, I thank you for that. And I just got a, just a response to what you're saying. I, I, I am, you know, when I hear you and I hear your brilliance and I see your genius, 
and what you're creating with woke sis, it also makes me happy, but also makes me sad to know that you've created that out of a space of violence, that you were literally um, harmed in many cases by people who didn't respect your genius and your brilliance. And so, you know, when do we actually get to the point where we just say, man, forget a seat at the table, let's build our own. You know, as, yeah, you're absolutely right. The, the journey that I have to take or like the different spaces that I had to navigate to get to this point have not been super easy. Um, but part of me, I think I wouldn't change that history at all. Uh, however, I will say this with a caveat. I've been... Uh, um, and what is Roxas' role in that? Let me play that too. Correct. Um, last year, uh, 2021, I went through a phase where I was completely burnt out, completely tapped out. Uh, I think a lot of people felt that way after coming out of COVID, coming out of a, a very, very harsh year. Um, I was in a space mentally and that it was just not conducive to brilliant ideas or, or to happy thoughts. It was just uh, too much going on and being too much of a resource, I think, really, really tapped me. So I took a step back to recharge and I took a step back to really rely on my community for just, you know, support. Like, I don't want to be, I felt like my, my vessel was a bit empty at some point. And I think, you know, coming out of that experience uh, and understanding what it is to be on the, on, on the other side of that, I think we need to be just understanding of how much can we give, how much can we put out there, how much we can receive and how much we can take, uh, we can give. And that took me a while to understand and like, now that I know better, I'm a better resource to other women and to other people in my network. So I really thank the network for Wooks. It's not only for, you know, growing the way it did, but also like in my moment of need where I just needed uh, a breather and, and feel that I was part of something because things were a little bit rough, I could rely on that network. So we're not just here to help you, you know, your job journey, a career journey. We're here and we put an emphasis on their well-being. And I think that was key for me. The fact that I knew that I had a community that was concerned about well-being and was able to support me, even through my darkest time, I I was super grateful that that was there for me. So, yeah, I definitely learned my lesson. But definitely very grateful for, for that uh, space, that community. Yeah. Well, how can people reach out to get that support from you? How can we support you? And how can they find you? Okay, so you can find everything about Wooks's at uh, W-O-C-C-S dot C-O. So that's our website. Uh, our Instagram is W-O-C underscore underscore C-S. So you can find the latest updates. We recently launched a upgraded service for helping women uh, tap into job opportunities. One of them is through a talent network. So if you're in the midst of a search for a new role or a new opportunity, or you're just curious to see what's out there and how we can support you, we created a talent network for our members. It's completely free. I, I am kind of opposed to the idea of charging members and talent. I mean, I think we need the help. Not We're not going to be charging. This is completely free for them. However, if you're an organization, a company that is trying to reach out to 
members of Wuxis, we also have a new system that we develop with a couple of different tiers depending on what your need is. If you need to identify talent, if you're looking to connect directly with talent. But as I mentioned before, my priority and my concern is the safety and well-being of my members. So if they wanted to be introduced to a company, they have the ability to do that. Really, the ball is at on their court, right at the court. So that's a great new um, service that we launched during Earth Day. Um, another way of support, we have a Patreon page where we have a couple of different benefits. It really like the, the money that we collect, everything from the events to Patreon to the job board really all goes into how can we create meaningful uh, spaces for connections to happen. So we are hoping that at the beginning of the the summer or late spring that we can have a couple of more in-person events where we can bring women together to share ideas, make connections, uh, and just let this relationships really flow organically. So you'll be supporting us if you are looking to sponsor one of those dinners, if you want to um, uh, recommend a Black-owned restaurant that will be interested in hosting us, or really a Mirror away. So I would say check our website. Uh, our email is if you want to reach out with a question, it's hello at wuxus.co. And I'm super accessible on LinkedIn. We have a LinkedIn group for members, completely free, of course. And yeah, tons of resources. My dear sister, thank you for being with me. Thank you. In this time. Thank you. I appreciate it. And that's our guest today. It's Jordi Vasquez, co-founder of Women of Color Collective and Sustainability, also known as Wokesis. And I am Rev Yearwood, your host of The Coolest Show. Thank you, Jordi. Thank you, Rev. Like what you heard on this episode? Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Follow us at Think 100 Climate and at Hip Hop Caucus on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Visit thecoolestshow.com where you can take action for climate justice right now. You can also learn more about this podcast and donate to Think 100%, which is a non-profit project. Thank you for listening and all power to the people. It's the coolest show you know. It's the coolest show you know.